Morning, today's daf is daf Tezayin. Today's shir is for a full shleim of Pinchas Kalman ben Rivka. May have a complete and speedy recovery. And we're going to start a new parak at the bottom of Tezvavam Abay's 15b. So this mission, this is really carrying on from the previous parak. And we'll see in the first Amud you have to know at least uh, three missioners from the previous parak well. So I uh, hope you had a chance to do a revision last night. Um, the, the Gemara says, A woman who was widowed or divorced. Now, after they divorced, he omeres basulenisaisi. Yeah, something happened to the ksuba. The ksuba was lost, so they can't check. I mean, obviously, the ksuba would have the amount, whether it's 200 or 100. But he omeres basulenisaisi. She said, when we got married, I was a basula. But who omer loy? Ki ela he says, I married you when you were a widow. I, what's the, he's saying, I only owe you 100 money, and she's saying, no, you owe me 200 money. He says, now, if she went out with witnesses that her hair was uncovered, sorry, with, sorry, behinuma is with a veil, and her hair was hanging down, is 200. What is it? Um, yeah. So just interestingly, so why are we saying this? Because those were practices that only Basula weddings used to have. And therefore, if she can bring witnesses when she got married to him, that she was wearing a veil, or that her hair was uncovered, we're going to see in a later Mishnah some other examples, then um, her ksuba would be 200. Um, interesting enough, just on this hair hanging down, this is one of the sources. We see a Basula has her hair hanging down, and a married woman has her hair covered. Um, there's a question here, is, uh, what are, is it from Nisuin or Erusin that a woman has to cover her hair? I mean, nowadays it's not so relevant because they go straight from uh, Kiddushin to, from Erusin to Nisuin, but in those days when there was a pause, from here it sounds like only from Nisuin, because when they would do Nisuin, then she would get her hair covered, but that's a discussion. And then another fascinating discussion is it sounds very clearly from here that it was that non-married girls didn't cover their hair, and married women did, or were supposed to cover their hair. Um, and therefore, so, so, but the base Yosef comes along and says that it's preferable that women have, that's the Shulchan Aruch comes along and says that it's preferable that women do have their hair covered, single women. Or, and he, so there's a little bit of a discussion, same say, no, the Sulas used to hang, have it um, uncovered, but still tied up, like in a braid. I think many Hasidim are actually particular about this, that the single girls still have, have their hair in a braid. They're not particular to cover their hair, but it's in a braid as opposed to in uh, just hanging loose, hanging over their shoulders. Yeah, I think some use the connotation that it's hanging. Porua means hanging over the shoulders. Um, others say, so someone who explained that's the base Yosef, because how can he come along and say that they have their hair tied up? So how can the base Yosef come along and say that? Single girls must have their hair tied up when you see clearly from the Mishnah that they didn't have to. So someone who say no, um, it means the difference is covered or tied up, but not hanging, never hanging loose. Others want to say no, they were, are allowed to have their hair hanging loose, over, like over their shoulders. Um, yeah, and slight variations on that opinion. As you can see in our time, we're not, and I think for many years, we're not particular with non-married women having their hair uncovered and hanging down. Um, You know, just because it's fascinating, and I was listening to it yesterday, Rav Ashavas, his, his Rebbe was the Kloisenberg Rebbe, and he is giving a shir about him now. They had a very, very strong... It's a machlok as it goes back many years regarding shaitels. When we say that a married woman has to have her hair covered, is it like a scarf or something, or is a shaitel sufficient? And he was from uh, his great-great-grandfather, Tibrechaim, and their family, like shaitels were, <laughs> Rav Ashavaz uses the, the, the metaphors, like Chomets on Pesach, a shaitel. says that after the Second World War, when there was like so much struggling and stuff, any woman who was prepared to, uh, to when they were getting married, wear a shaitel, he made a point of buying them their first shaitel. Like, he was the father to many, many of these uh, widowed, uh, orphaned girls and the Holocaust and stuff, so he would uh, make a point of that. Just an uh, amazing point, like he put aside like his steadfast halachic, I don't know if it's a din or stringency, um, just to be a father figure and help these uh, women, and uh, obviously if they'd have their hair covered or uncovered, he would give them a shaitel in that choice. But uh, I mean, the main lesson is that he acted as their father. He was looking after them. 
cases he used to spend. Arab Yom Kippur girls used to go to him, these orphan girls straight out of the Holocaust used to go to him for brachas. I said before the, before the war, it was our father, our grandfather used to give us a bracha. There was no one to, you know, now there's no one, so they'd go to the Klosenberg Rebbe. Just uh, yeah, an amazing uh, amazing person and amazing idea. Okay, carrying on with the mission. Uh, Rebbe Yochanan bin Baroika Oimer Af even if they would sprinkle or distribute these klaios uh, is a raya. They used to give kids the klaios that's roasted wheat, but it's like giving handing out sweets. So if it was a wedding of Absula, that would also be a uh, proof. I should have brought that earlier. Okay, now we go on to... Um, just see one thing, sorry. Yeah, just a, sl- a question they asked, not going to go into the answers now, but is, if they got married on a Wednesday, is that a proof that she was a basula? Because remember, the first mission of the Perek started that a basula gets married on a Wednesday. So can, if she brings witnesses that they got married on a Wednesday, is that good enough? That gets very simply. One answer is no, because an Amona is, can also get married on a Wednesday. She doesn't have to, a basula has to, and an Amona can choose. So just because you got married on a Wednesday doesn't mean that's one, uh, that's one possibility. Okay, Rabbi Yeshua agrees where someone says to his friend, this field belonged to your father, but I brought it, bought it from your father. Very important line. The mouth that forbids is the mouth that permits. He's the one who created the problem. If we know that this field belonged to your father, and then I come along and say, no, but I bought it from him. I would have to bring proof that I brought it from him. But here he's initiating. His silence would keep him the field. And therefore, his, um, he's incriminating himself. His mouth is incriminating himself. He says, you know, this field used to belong to your father, but I bought it from him. It's similar to a migui, and there's a discussion in Rishonim, is it a separate concept or, a, or the same concept? But I think for us, the easiest is to learn it as similar to a migui. Um, how's that? Um, that, remember, if you had a better claim that you could have said, and you're saying a weaker claim, that gives credibility. Because if you were a liar, you would have said the best claim, claim possible. Now this, is, as we're going to see, is a whole new level of a better claim. Because if you would have said nothing... No one would have ever sued you in court. You would never have been taken to court. No one would have been aware of the problem. So since you created the problem by saying, I bought this field, um, you also say the problem, sorry, by saying this field used to belong to your father, you're creating the allegations against you. You're believed to say, I, uh, I didn't, uh, but I bought it. Even though, again, as I said, generally, to just if someone sues you, that land you're on is mine, and they whatever, um, and then you argue and say, no, I bought it. That's not necessarily good enough. You'd have to prove it. But here, since you created the allegations, it's fine. That's our pesha also pesha hitu. Let's to keep it simple. Let's learn it as a very strong migui. Says ve'im yesh edim shehishel aviv. If there's edim that it's his father's, for who oimel akachtia hemenu einoneman, and he says if he brought it from him, he is not believed. This that I said that he's the one who creates the problem by saying, um, I bought it. I it was your father's. I no one no one said anything, and he pops up and he says it was your father's. But I bought it from him. That's Rashi. Tulsa's actually come along and say that even if someone comes and sues you in court saying, it's your land, and you say, yeah, but I bought it from him, you still have that megui. Tulsa's have a slightly different way of learning the sugi and learning this case of Apesha also Apesha Itu, but I think we're going to leave Tosfos for our discussion. Now it will come apparent from the sugiya why Rabbi Yoshua, this discuss- all of a sudden this discussion of Apesha also who Apesha Itu, is brought in here. We've been discussing... Uh, arguments of how much the value of the ksuba could be, as I said, leading on from last parak. Um, do we trust the woman when she says she's a mukh and um, I was raped? You know, when do we trust the woman? When don't we trust the woman? And that kind of follows on here. They're having an argument of whether when they did, they've lost the ksuba and they get, when they did get married, does she have a ksuba of 200 or 100? And comes along, Rabbi Yeshua, now the, the Mishnah, and plops in... Um, Inserts this teaching of Rabbi Yeshua regarding Pesha uh, Asashur, who are Pesha Okay, carrying on into the Gemara. So, going on the first case in the Mishnah, I. 
where we said that if a woman can bring witnesses, again, the, the machloi case is they've lost the ksuba, and the husband says, I got married to you, you were an almona, and therefore your ksuba is 100. She says, no, I was a basula, my ksuba is 200. If she can bring witnesses that she walked down the aisle with her hair, with a veil, or with her hair porua, or something like that, then she gets it. So taimatika aidim holeka aidim balmahemen. This implies that it's, we only believe in the woman because they are aidim. But if they were not aidim, we would believe the husband to say she was an almana. If she can't produce aid in that to the celebration of a wedding, which was followed the form of the we wouldn't believe her. So now it says, Lema tnan stamat aloika Rabban Gamil. This doesn't seem to fit in with Rabban Gamil. Ti Rabban Gamil ho amar iu mehemne. Because Rabban Gamil says we always believe her. She has a chazoka. Rabban Gamil in the previous parak always said we follow her chazoka. She has a chazoka of being a basula, and therefore we should follow that. Um, no, you can actually say it's Rabban Gamil. That's where it's a Bori Vashem. That's where we believe Rabban Gamil. Again, where he, she says, I know I was raped after we got married. Or I know who I slept with. That's where we believe her. And remember the man or the Beisdin are saying, well, maybe it was someone else. Maybe it was before you got married. So that's Bori Vashem. That's where we believe Rabban Gamil. Elo... Um, but where it's a bori and bori, maybe we don't say we believe her. I was it a bori and a bori here? Because she's saying with certainty, I remember the ksuba, I was a basula and the ksuba was 200. And he's saying with certainty, no, you were an almona and the ksuba is 100. So maybe this could fit with Rabon Gamil. So the Gemara asked her, the Korile, my Korile. The one who was asking the question, what was he actually asking? Ho bori or bori hu? Here is a bori and bori. It's a clear, such a clear, obvious distinction. Again, in the previous peric where we believe, where we, Rabban Gamil said we believe the girl, it's always she had a certain claim and the man had a Shema claim, or basically had a Shema claim. Here is very clearly a bori or bori. There's a clear distinction. So why would he even think that it shouldn't fit with the Ram? He says, no. Kiman the Ram Noshim Basulos, he says, ki bori v'shema dom. He says, no. Because this woman has a very, very strong support, and that is most women who get married are basulos. And therefore, it's like a Borean Shema. This, her claim of I was a basula is supported by such a strong reality that most women are basulos. His claim of no, you are an Amman is could be like a Shema. And this is actually logical. Then the Mishnah continues and Rabbi Yeshua agrees. So, so where we're holding at the moment is that Rabun, that Ainachinami, the Mishnah does not follow Rabban Gamil. Rabban Gamil would say, we believe her. She has the rov in support of her claim. Majority, she claims she was a basula, and a majority of women who get married are basulas. And therefore she has this majority with her. So hers is considered a bori claim, and his is considered a shema claim. So the first case is Rabon, is not like Rabon Gamil. And therefore it says, The next case of the mission, again, to do with the field, is where Rabbi Yeshua says, if she's saying Rabban Gamliel's dealing with the case of where he agrees. I Rabban Gamliel saying in this case I agree. Um, he's saying, yeah, sorry, Rabban Gamliel saying I agree to you, Rabbi Yeshua, that we don't believe the woman. Again, you would have thought the woman's believed because she has this rov with her. But I, Rabban Gamliel, agree to you, Rabbi Yeshua, that the woman's not believed in this case. Shapir, then it makes sense what Rabbi Yeshua is coming along and saying. Because what's Rabbi Yeshua saying? Rabbi Yeshua is coming along and saying, and yes, Ramon Kamil, I agree to you in this type of migui of Hapesha Asr, who Hapesha Hitir. So again, the mission makes sense. Again, we have this question of, um, first, uh, you know, we've, what we worked at, we started off by, is our mission a lot like Ramon Gamil? Because it seems to say we believe the woman. We believe the man over the woman. But in the previous <coughs> parak, Rabban Gamil always said we believe the woman. So he said, no, it actually fits in with Rabban Gamil because Rabban Gamil is saying, in this case of Bori or Bori, even though you might have thought it's a Bori Shema because she has the Rav, it's a Bori or Bori claim, two certain claims. We don't believe her. And, he's, and that's what he's saying. I agree to you, Rabbi Yeshua, that in this case we don't believe the woman. And then the follow-on from the Mishnah makes a lot of sense. It says, Umoide Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua agrees. What's Rabbi Yeshua agreeing to? He's saying, yes, and Rabbi Gamil, I agree to you that we follow the migui in the following scenario, I, where a person opened himself up to the, to the allegation. It says, But if you want to say that the case is where Rabbi Gamil, sorry, 
the moide. Yeah. If you want to say that Rabban Gamliel is not saying, I agree to you, Rabbi Yeshua, I, the first case of the Mishnah, Rabban Gamliel would argue and say that we still believe the woman. I, we're not saying Rabban Gamliel says, I agree to you, Rabbi Yeshua, and then Rabbi Yeshua responds and says, well, I agree to you. In the following game, says, Rabbi Yeshua, Laman Moide, who's Rabbi Yeshua agreeing to? I, the, the, the introduction to Rabbi Yeshua's teaching doesn't make sense. It's Rabbi Yeshua says, I agree. Now, in the first clause of the Mishnah, there's no one, what's his response to? I agree. So that doesn't make sense. So therefore, we want to say that it must be the first case is Rabban Gamil saying, Rabbi Yeshua, I agree to you in the following case. And the second case is Rabbi Yeshua saying, yes, Rabban Gamil, and I agree to you in the following case. But if, again, if you say that the first case is not Rabban Gamil, then what's Rabbi Yeshua coming along and saying, I agree to you? So he says, no, Misa Vat Rabbi Yeshua, Ahai Pirkin Koi. Amigu You think Rabbi Yeshua is going on Alperik, I on the first case of the Mishnah. He's going on the discussion of Migui, which is from the first Perik. And that's what now we're going to say. Ah, hey, where do we see which Migui is Rabbi Yeshua saying, I argue on? Whereas Moide, I agree to you in the Migui in, in the following Migui. So that's again what we're looking for. And remember, we had. Four, if I remember correctly, it's I don't know, if, uh, four, yeah, it's like four cases where Rabbi Shua and Rabban Gamliel argued, again whether we believe the woman or the husband, and we're going to work backwards, going to so we're going to go to the previous Mishnah, the most recent Mishnah, which was um, of the Machloekes Rabban Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua, um, which was on Daf, uh, I think it was Yud Gimel. And then we're going to work back to the, so that the, the last case, the last Mishnah, the, the Mishnah on the bottom of Yud Gimel Amud Aleph had two cases. So we're going to work from the last case to the first case of that Mishnah. Then we're going to move to the earlier Mishnah at the top of that page, etc. Working backwards to try see where does Rabbi Yeshua say, I argue on that Migui. But in the case of where someone says, this field used to belong to your father, but I brought it, we believe that. So he says, Ahai, which one is he going? He says, Eli Maho, let's say he's going on the most recent. She was pregnant and they said to her, What's the nature of this child? I, is he, who's his father? Is he kosher to marry Kohanim? Or she kosher to marry Kohanim? So she says, And she says, Yeah, he's from so and so, so the child could marry a Kohen. Rabban Gamil and Rabbi Lezah say, We believe her. Rabbi Gamil and Rabbi Lezah say, We believe her. Rabbi Chia says we, as we don't rely on what she says. Now the Gemara has my migui. What migui does she have? She is pregnant. I, what better claim? They ask her, you're pregnant. Who's the father of the child? What's her best claim? Is her father was a good kosher Jew. That's her best claim possible. So you can't say so there's no migui at discussion. The reason we believe her is because she has a chazok of being kosher. So we're going to keep that chazok of being kosher. It says, so it must be going on the case before that. They saw her remember, speaking to a certain man. Now keep in the back of your mind. Remember we said, what does speaking mean? It was a machloikas. One opinion said it meant going into seclusion. And one said it actually meant we saw her having beer. But so let's, for, just to keep it simple, let's focus on the one who says they went into seclusion. So they saw, oh, sorry, that just breaks. It says, they saw her being with another man, and they said, what's the nature of that man? She says, yeah, he's a kosher Jew. She's believed. Rabbi Yeshua says, no, we don't believe her. Again, what migo is it? If you learn like Ziri, who said that Medaberis means that they just have, we just have witnesses that 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 single girl went into seclusion with that other man. She does have a migui. She could have said, I never had beer. Again, but by the fact that she says, I did have beer, but he was kosher, I'm not possible the kahuna. So she does have a migui. So it could theoretically be that. Um, yeah, she could have said, I never had beer. And she says, the weaker claim on Nivalti. I did have beer, but it was a kosher man. Mayhem that she's believed. But according to Ravasi, who said that it's medaberis means that there were witnesses to her having beer, she doesn't have a better claim. There were witnesses that she had beer, 
So her best claim is that it was a kosher man. So she doesn't have a migui. So we're still looking. So according to that, where would Rabbi Yeshua say, there's a migui in the first parak that I argue with, but this is this migui that I'm bringing now is a migui I would agree to. So it's it must be on the... Again, this is the Mishnah at the top of Yud Gimel Amor Aleph. says, He Omer is Muka Eitz. And even who Omer Loiki Eladrus is Ish At. She says, I'm a Muka Eitz. And he says, No, you had beer. I, why, why were you not found to be a Basula on your wedding night? So she says, I got an injury. And he says, No, you had uh, beer with another man. And you should. So Ramon Kamlil, Omer, Verebelezer, Omerim, Nemeres. Ramon Kamlil, Verebelezer say she's believed. Rabbi Yeshua, Omer, Loimi Piani Chaim. Rabbi Yeshua says, No, we don't believe her. We don't listen to her. So the Gemara says, Hosamai Migui Iko. What Migui is there? Now again, I don't know if you remember, there was a Machloikas, how to understand their claims. We asked there, when she says, I'm Mukha Eitz, and he says, No, you had beer with a man. How much is she claiming from the Ksuba? And how much is he saying, no, I don't owe you that much, I owe you less. Is it, we'll see now going back, but is it that she's claiming a full, she says, I was just injured. I was really a basula. The reason I don't have basulim is because I was injured. Therefore, I deserve a Ksuba of 200. And he says, no, since you had beer with a man, I own, you were considered a widow, I only owe you 100. Or... Is she saying, yes, I don't have basulim because I was injured by wood and therefore you owe me 100? And he's saying, no, you could, maybe it was you had beer with a man, which means our marriage was based on a false premise and therefore I don't owe you anything. Your marriage is not getting off. That's definitely not. Um, so, is this a my migo ika? And that's why they're going to Beijing to fight over the money. Um, so, also, my mega equal. Also, my mega equal. What is the mega? It says, According to Rebeleze, whether it's a mone or loiklum, she does have a mega. Again, Rebeleze says she's claiming I was a muka eight and therefore I deserve. You're right, I wasn't a basula, but I was only a muka eight, therefore I deserve 100. And he says, no, maybe you had beer with a man, obviously before we got married, and therefore I owe you zero to make atos. So the, she does have a megawai. She could have said, when we did a rusin, I was a basula. Subsequently, I got injured, and I, subsequent to our marriage, I got injured, and that's why I'm not a basula. The Islam Asayim, and therefore she deserves 200. I so she and therefore when she comes along and says, you know what, actually I was a Mukha and I'm only getting from the outset, and therefore I only get 100, she is believed. I so according to Rebeleza, she has a Migui. Again, the Migui is, again, the Migui is, uh, just remember the structure of a Migui is, she, the person says a, claim, a weaker claim. It gives credibility because if she was a liar trying to get as much money as she could, or try, you know, then she would have said the strong, the stronger, better claim. So here, what did she claim? She says, you're right. Before we got engaged, I was actually a Mukha Eitz. I suffered an injury, and therefore that's why I didn't have Basulim. And you only owe me 100, not the 200 we expected. She had a better claim because she could have said, we did a Rusin when I was a proper Basula. Subsequent to that, I got injured and I lost my Basulim. But we were already married on the agreement of 200. So... Um, so therefore, so the, again, she had a stronger claim to collect 200, that she wanted to try to collect 200, and she used the weaker claim, so she's believed. So that, that could be the migui that Rabbi Yeshua is going on. It says, Elul Rabbi Yochanan, but you run into trouble with Rabbi Yochanan, because Rabbi Yochanan to Amma Musai Mumana, where she's claiming, no, I'm a Mukha Eitz, and this is in the opinion that I deserve a full 200. And he's saying, no, I only owe you 100, my migui, what better claim did she have? By saying I was a Mukha 8 and I deserve a Ksuba of 200, that's the best possible claim. That's the most money she can get out of the situation. That's the way that she's going to get off with her with the reputation intact. That's the best possible claim. So there is no Migu. So you can't say that that's what Rabbi Yoshua is going on when he says, I, I don't agree to your Migu in the previous parak, but I agree to the, this Migu of Shapesh, also who Shapesh Yusser. Ela aha. It must be going on the following. Um, again, a, he took this woman to court and said, we got 
married and she's not a basula. She says, I was raped subsequent to doing a rusin and it's basically your field that, that was ruined. Uh, we had already agreed to 200 and subsequent, again, remember we gave the comparison of you buy a house from someone and then a storm comes and destroys the house. You can't go back. So she says, we got married as a basula based on the and I was a basula and I was raped after we got married, after we did a rusin. So therefore, it's not my problem. You lose your 200. But he, he says, no, maybe you were raped before we did a rusin and you told me you were a basula when we were getting married and you weren't. Now the Migui, there is a Migui here. She could have said, I was a Mukait under you, which would not invalidate her to marry Kohanim. And instead of saying that better claim, she said, I was raped. And now she's invalidated herself from Kohuna. That's why Rabbi Gamil says she's believed. Again, what's the migui in this case? Again, remember, a woman who's raped after being married, she's still permitted to her husband, but she'll never be permitted to marry a Kohen. So if her husband dies and she's a widow, she can get remarried to anyone, but not a Kohen. So this woman claimed, I was raped subsequent to us getting married, and I deserve a ksub of 200. She did have a better claim. She could have said, I got injured and lost my basulim subsequent to getting doing a rusin, and therefore, again, both claims she would get two hundred. But in the second, well, according to Rabbanon, yeah, but according to Rabbanon, she so 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 that's in the yeah we're going in there, but she doesn't have basulim. That's the problem. And Mukait, as we saw in the last parak, was a discussion: do we treat her? Should she get a ksuba of two hundred or one hundred? So it's it's a little bit on the fence. It's not a she's not a pure virgin, but she's not a she hasn't had uh, relations with any man. Um, but, but that's not important here because here we're saying both were, she's saying after we did a rusin, she says I was raped, which makes her get 200 and valid to her husband, but not to a Kohen. Whereas if she would have said the better claim of Mukaits, she would get 200 and she would be permitted to marry a Kohen if her husband not. So that's Rabban Gamil says she has a migoy, therefore we believe her. And that's what when Rabbi Yeshua in our Mishnah says, I agree to you, he's saying, in the following migoy, I agree, but that migoy you had in the first parak, I don't agree. It says, Once they both migoys, what's the difference? Again, both are a migoy. The woman could have said, Excuse me. In the first mission, the woman could have said a better claim, and she said a weaker claim. So Ramon Gamliel says we believe her, and Rabbi Yeshua says I don't hold for that migui. And so to in this claim, it's a migui. The husband could have the, the man, not the husband. We're dealing with a man who's who's got a field. He could have said a better claim. I remain silent. And instead, he says a, a worse claim, a claim that indicts him a little, so he should be believed. So that's what the Gemara says. No, he, here. In our Mishnah, there is no ox shechted in front of us. Over there, in the previous Mishnah, there is the ox shechted in front of us. What does it mean, the ox shechted in front of us? You walk out to your, your front yard and you see an ox shechted in front of you. That triggers your investigation. You're going to want to find out what happened. And that's what happened in the previous Perak. In the previous Perak, he found her not to be a basula. So there's something triggered his claim against her. And therefore, she obviously has to come up with a response. She has to come up with a claim. And I'll tell you the weakness of that shortly. Whereas the case in our Mishnah, if he wouldn't have said anything, if he would never have walked up to this guy and said, you know, my house that I'm staying in now used to belong to your father, but I bought it from him, the guy would never ever have opened a court case. He would never ever have entered his mind. He didn't know that house belonged to his father. So this person is opening. He's the one. He's walking outside. There's no ox shattered in front of him and he's saying, look, well, actually, we need to start looking into this. So, so, and, and why does that give him such credibility? Because um, it gives him such strong credibility because unless he was confident in his claim, 
that the house belonged to that he bought that he, the house belonged to him because he bought it. He would never ever have started the discussion. You know, this house used to belong to your father. Okay. If he had the slightest doubt, or only what's a tenuous proof that he brought this house that it belonged to him, he would never ever have said to the guy, "You know, this house used to belong to your father." But so by the fact that he says, "You know, this house used to belong to your father," but I brought it. He must have been very, very confident, and it was obvious to him that he did buy it. Again, what's the weakness with the previous migui? So what? So he says he, something triggered the migui. I, he said, I, um, she says, I find you not to be basulim. And she gives a claim where she could have said a stronger claim. Still, she did say a weaker claim. She didn't believe her. So, no, uh, maybe she didn't, she didn't have a stronger claim. That's why she's not saying a stronger claim. Maybe. And therefore, she didn't, or she didn't think to say the stronger claim. She thought maybe, the, maybe she thought this was her best claim. Or she could just be uh, playing along with the court system. She's saying, look, I know if I say the best claim possible, they're going to question my claim. So let me say the second best claim, and it will add credibility to what I say. And that's why Rabbi Yeshua again says, in the case where the case is opened, and then she has to respond, even if she does have a migui, that's a weak migui. Whereas here, she's saying, no, there was no court case opened. There was no reason for him to say anything about to weak. There was no reason for him to weaken his position by saying, you know, this house used to belong to your father. And therefore, he's believed in that scenario. Um, that's why Rabbi Shur says, in that sort of migui, we believe him. Okay, now the Gemara is going to go back to a, a position, we, a point we mentioned. It says, So fine, most women do get married. So we've left that discussion. As I said, this is the, this is the point of the mouth that forbids it to her, to him, to him or to her. It can be, you find it across in all different scenarios, where she's the one who, or he's the one who, what's it, indicts himself then he's believed with his claim to think. And whereas a migui is, something triggers his response, and his response is a weaker claim. He could have said a better claim. And even in migui's, I should mention, there are different strengths. Sometimes if you would have said the better claim, you would have believed I won the court case, and you said the weaker claim, which doesn't get you as much. That's a, quite a strong migui, because you could have said a better claim that you would have won the court case. In, the, in, like, in this case that we brought the migui, it's actually a weak migui, because the only thing what makes it a better claim is would she be permitted to kohanim. It doesn't help her actual, the monetary side of the claim, and for most men it doesn't make a difference. So it's not such a strong migui. So even in migui, there are different strengths. And as I mentioned, it's a big discussion when now that we come along and say that there are these two types of migui, are we saying they're both categories of migui? That's one, it's just subcategories of the same discussion. You had a claim and you could have said a better claim. You could have been silent and you said a worse claim. You know, is that the case? Or is it two distinct concepts? We've opened, now that we've introduced ourselves to a new concept, why the one is a migui and the one is hapesh, also who hapesh itir. He should have remained silent and instead of remaining silent, he opens the door. Okay, carrying on, he says, Since most women get married as the sulin, if Aiden didn't come, what would be the halacha? So Ravina says, since most women get married as Basulim and a few women widows get married, and any woman who gets married as a Basula, there's a call. Um, there's general public knowledge. People, people are aware of weddings. They make a big deal of a wedding of a, of a new couple. So, so, that's, so she should have Adim. So since she can't produce any Adim to her huge wedding, like they would do to her, to facts of the wedding, that would be like a basula. Ruva, her rov is weakened. Right, so this that she has a rov has weakened her case. Again, the Gomorrah's have I mean, is if she, she has the rov with her. She says I was a basula, and most women, the vast majority of women who get married are basulas. So we should actually believe her because of the rov. So he comes along and says, no, by the fact that she can't bring any proof to that wedding or to the unique factors of the wedding of a basula, which everyone generally knows about. You make a big deal about it. You have a, 
you have a huge uh, reception. Second marriages are generally much better, much smaller, not as well known, not as well public, not as publicized. So the fact that she can't produce any adim weakens the rob's weight. If you really got married as a basula, you should have more. You should have some proof. The fact you don't that weakens the rob. Says, if you're going to tell me that all women who get married are there's a call, well then even if Aiden come, they're lying. I everyone knows she was a basula when she got married. Everyone. Then even if Aiden come and say no, she was a basula. No one. And even if Aiden come along and say no, then we say that they Aiden. Says, no, most basulas who get married have a call. Not every single basula who gets married is it well known publicly. Some, you like, oh, I don't know you got married. You have that uh, scenario once in a while. Or, oh, I didn't hear that she got married. Or, I didn't hear that they will, I should say, they got married. So, therefore, there is a, there's not a call for every single woman. Uh, this woman who does not have a call, she has a weak rov, she's weakened the rov, and therefore she has to bring Adim to a fact of the wedding that's unique to a, being a, to a Basula's wedding. Then we said, we're going back on the same line, but it says, etc. says, if we allow a woman who lost her ksuba to collect based on Adus, that she was um, wearing a veil, etc. We said, what's happened here? The case was a woman lost her ksuba. She's claiming 200 He's claiming, no, you were an Amona and Olio, you 100. She brings witnesses that um, that she wore a veil or that they sprinkled sweets, that they distributed sweets to the kids or something like that. We believe her. Now the Gomorrah is going to say, but we should be concerned. She's going to then go to, so she'll go to the basin of Johannesburg and bring those Adim and collect 200. And she'll take her Ksuba to the basin of Cape Town and collect another 200 there. Says, says, but wait, she's going to produce Adim in this Beisdin and collect 200 from him, and she'll go and produce the Ksuba, which she's claiming she lost, in another Beisdin. Well, before we go into the next line, there's a big Machloikas. If you lend someone money, Generally, what's used to collect, again in Torah law, what's used to collect the money is um, the document. So he, he comes and says, look, here's the document that you owe me 10,000 rand, pay up, and once he's paid up, they tear it up. What happens if he says, I lost it? He says, I lost my document that says I can collect. Do we place the responsibility, do we say that he can't collect anymore? He needs to have the document because there's always the danger. As soon as we're paying up, then a few months later or whenever later, he goes to a different based in and he uses the document that he claimed he lost to collect again. So do we say we don't, he can't collect? Or do we say, no, the, the debtor has, he, he gives the debtor a receipt. Every time the debtor... Um, the, he gives the debtor a receipt. The, the reason we wouldn't say that is now the debtor has to be responsible for forever now to make sure to keep this receipt and make sure that it doesn't get lost or eaten by rodents or whatever the concern is because as soon as he loses the receipt, the guy's able to find the star and collect uh, the loan a second time. So do we get switch the responsibility onto the borrower to have to keep a receipt? So, must be that we write a receipt. I, by the fact that we allow this woman to collect 200 based on witnesses, with saying, I lost Maksuba, and she can use witnesses to collect, must be, we say she writes a receipt. She gives it, and the husband has to now look after this receipt forever, otherwise she can always go and produce her Ksuba and collect again. Rapapa says, no, we're dealing in a case where, there is, where they never write a Ksuba. I see we don't expect him to have a ksuba. A bit further down the page we'll address, okay, so then what's stopping her from taking Adim and Adim to all diff, to 40 different Bote Dinim all over the world and collecting again and again and again because there's no, never a ksuba. So that we'll address later on the page. So that's, the, that's on the Mishnah, the Smachloikes, Rabbi Avol and Rav Popa. Again, Rabbi Avol says we make, if she says she's lost the ksuba but she can bring Adim that she married as a basula, she collects 200 and we write a receipt for the husband. 
to safeguard him if she ever produces the ksuba in a different pasty. Well, so that's what we would do, but here she's claiming she lost it. So do we say she can't collect? And, and sorry, and the Mishnah said she can collect. Mishnah said she can collect. If she brings aid in that she was wearing a veil, she can collect the 200. So what about that? So, so it must be we write a receipt, that's Rabbi Avo. And Rav Papa says, no, we can obviously be dealing in the case where they never ever write a ksuba. There's some who teach it on the brisa. Brisa is going to be a slightly more elaborate case, but we'll see it makes a difference at the end. It says, if the ksuboso, it mean ksuboso, nisrof ksuboso, if she lost her ksuba, she hit her ksuba. She put it away for safekeeping and she can't find it now. My mom was joking with her. My daughter that day said, Granny, we started this activity. I don't remember what they were, they were making. I think things to put on the sliding doors so no one, because a kid ran into them or something. She says, can we carry on with that? And my mom says, I know I put it away safely, but I've forgotten where I put it. Yeah, like, I don't know, you know, different uh, cupboards. So that's what happened. Yeah, the woman says, I put my super away very safely, and I can't, uh, and I don't remember. I've, I've, it's hidden now. It's gone. It says, when all the super was destroyed. It was burnt. It says, rock to the fanel, shock to the fanel, he ivura fanel, koishel besura. If they people dance before her, or they did uh, play shows before her, or they passed before this kois besura, or they had the the cloth of besulin that showed she was a besula, if she has witnesses to one of these practices, I that would only be done by a besula's wedding. She can collect a ksub of 200. Now we say the same thing. But maybe she's going to produce aid him to the fact that they had this koshal basura and collect her ksub in this, in, in this based in. And then she'll produce, she'll find her misplaced ksub and go collect from a different based in. Says, um, Rabbi Avo says, must be we write a receipt. And our Papa says, no, it must be a case where we don't write a ksuba. He says, oh, now the Gemara says, how can our Papa come along and say it's a case where they don't write a ksuba? He says, well, if the ksuba is so tiny. One of the clauses was, if she lost her ksuba. Implying we do have a ksuba. So he says, um, he says no, the cost of law you. It's, in, it's where they, it's a place where they don't write it, but he wrote it for us. He says, well, so so, mafkaleva govabe. Well, then we still have the problem. If it's, even though it's a city where they never ever write ksubas, they take it for granted that every ksuba is 200, but he wrote her a ksuba, at the end of the day, we still have the, even though it's not the norm, we still have the concern that she's going to use it to collect a second time. So when it says... Well, interestingly, there's, there are teachings. I'm trying to think if it's in Kedushin or later on in Almasechta, which says along the line, a woman's not allowed to stay with her husband unless she has a ksuba. But if it's a play, I think it, it, it primarily is a monetary obligation. And what it is, is because there's a, a, there is the aspect, like if you, I don't know if you ever follow the ksuba in Aramaic, um, there is an aspect of what the husband owes her during the marriage. The thing is, all these tonight ksuba, these conditions in the ksuba, are set, are set in standard. So as soon as we say they wouldn't write a ksuba, means that they follow the standard that's what Tanai based in. The based in the Bote Dinim of the Tanoima or the Amoraim who set up this ksuba, we follow those. So that's a, so it's, a, it's a standard document. Therefore you can assume that it's the same for everyone. Well all the all the conditions that are in the ksuba. I think that's how that's how I understand it. But, but then the, the husband gives her the money, right? Yes. So can't he just say, no, but I gave her the money in Pompadisa. Let's go to the best thing in Pompadisa and we'll see there. I mean, uh, so yeah, I'm not sure. Um, good question. I'm not sure why. Or bring a, tell him to bring aid in. Okay, he's not going to want to because, so he has aid him in front of, uh, you're not going to want to do that transaction. Let's say, just think of it back to a standard case of a loan. So you borrow 10,000 Rand from me and I say, look, I've lost my document. Um, Benji and Mervyn will witness that you paid me back, and therefore, if I ever find the document and try to claim again, you'll just bring them. That's uh, that's very risky because one of them's going to make a leo, one of them's going to move to Cape Town. You know, you never know where your ADM are going to be. So that's why, uh, and that's why I think it's, it's again, it's, it's it's too risky. You wouldn't want to do that. And then the question is, so do you write a receipt, and now you put you switch the responsibility to the debtor? Okay, but. Um, 
Where were we? So, so back to that case. Rav Popper said it must be a uh, says no, you, ne- you don't write a receipt, and it's a place where there is no ksuba. So that's why there's no ksuba. He says, what do you mean? It says where we lost the ksuba. So he says, no, yeah, so they, out of the ordinary, wrote the ksuba. He says, that doesn't help. Well, then still, once they wrote the ksuba, even though it wasn't, they weren't supposed to, or they didn't need to, she's still going to use that to collect the second time. She could still use that to collect the second time. So he says, no, my ivda ivda ba'or. When it says lost, it means lost in fire. He says, oh, that's the same as burning. For odd and secondly, it's mino mai. Ikilamai, what you're going to explain the phrase of she hid it. The two, ivda lamali. Why does it bring up if to just say, um, just say she? Um, there, there was never a ksuba. She says no. Ella call if the ki hitmino b'fanenu dami. No, what we're saying is when she lost the ksuba, we treat it as if she hid it. ad and she would never have to pay him until he gives the until she can prove that the ksuba is non-existent anymore. Now, so what, how's Rav, very interesting. Rav Popper's really twisted this price. On the surface, this price is speaking about where there is a ksuba. And the concern again is that if she's allowed to collect with Aidim that they did a practice at a basula wedding, then she can then at a later date use the ksuba to collect again. So Rav, Rabbi Avol answered straightforward. It must be, you do write a receipt. Whereas Rav Papa didn't want to say, he wants to say, we never, we don't write a receipt. And he has to then, I'm going to use the word twist, because it's quite forced. He's going to twist the brysa to insert that when it says if she lost or hid the ksuba, it's basically saying if she lost or hid the ksuba, she can never collect, unless she brings Adim Shen Isra for that it was burnt. What we were learning as three separate scenarios, um, lost, hidden, or burnt, he's now twisted to say, no, if it's lost or hidden, it's she can't collect until she proves it's burnt because we don't write a receipt. So it's a bit forced, Rav Papa. So that's what the Gemara then points out. Um, it says, The one who taught this, Machloikis Rabbi Avon Rav Papa on the Brisa, would definitely apply to the Mishnah. I had to say that we never write a receipt according to Rav, um, according to Rav Papa. We never write a receipt. It says, The one who taught the Machloikis Rabbi Avon Rav Papa on the Mishnah, he could not teach the Machloikas or the Brisa Kikusha because of the difficulty that we had. Um, the difficulty is the Brisa, which says, Ivda. I, again, you could learn, if you only had the Mishnah, you could say Rav Popper argues and says, we, it's, a, it's talking about where they don't write a Ksuba, and that's why he can collect, um, and that's why these Edim are sufficient. But Einachinami, if it was a place where they did write a Ksuba, he could not collect because we don't write a, she could not collect because we don't write a receipt. That's all very well on the Mishnah. But on the price, which clearly comes along and says, in a case where she lost her ksuba, you wouldn't twist the language of the price and, and Rav Popper would have to then concede that must be you do write a receipt. So again, so that's what we're saying. If we, again, we brought the same Akhloik as Rabbi Vun Rav Popper on the Mishnah and the price, and it's saying that the Mishnah is much easier to, uh, the Mishnah's not as drastic for Rav Popper to say that you never write a receipt. Therefore, if Rav Popper taught his case on the Mishnah, he might have to concede in the Brisa. But if you say he taught, even in the drastic case of the Brisa, where he clearly says they lost it, and therefore he twists it to mean that if he lost it, he can't, he, she can't collect because we never write a receipt, that's then obviously you would say it in the Mishnah, which is an easier case. Okay, then im yesh adim, if there were adim. So now what the Gemara is going to discuss is the previous piece was concerned that if we allow her to collect with adim, she might produce her ksuba in another court and collect a, diff- a separate, a different time. So the Gemara is now going to say, well, anyway, so she had a few hundred, it was before COVID, so she had... Uh, 300 people at her wedding, she's going to be able to produce one set of Adim in Cape that, again, and no Ksuba. There's no Ksuba. And she's going to be able to bring two Adim in Johannesburg that she, that they did this Kosh Shabashura. And she's going to produce another two Adim in, uh, in Cape Town that she had the Kosh Shabashura. She can produce another two Adim in uh, B'nai Brak, uh, Yerushalayim, Tel Aviv, New York, LA. She, she can go around the world with different sets of Adim to collect. 
phased in Vagave, Vahara Mafia, Aida Inuma Bahai Badino, Akrina Vagave. But we have this concern. If she says she can collect based on Aidim that the wedding had a practice like she was wearing a veil, then she can bring different Aidim to different Botainim and collect the Ksuba multiple towns. He says, no, but in a place where it's impossible, we definitely write a receipt. Aye, if the norm of that place is that no one writes a ksuba, then obviously we give the husband a receipt that he's paid out the ksuba. And this whole discussion of whether you could, because there's, there's no other possibility, otherwise he's really setting himself up for, his, his ex-wife can continually sue him in different bote dimin and bring proofs that they got married as a basula. And every time someone says, uh, oh, but don't you have a ksuba? She says, well, I come from uh, Johannesburg where no one writes ksubas. And she brings Aidan that they got married and Aidan that she got married as a basula and you'll have to pay out again and again and again. So therefore, there you definitely write a receipt. If it's the norm to write a ksuba, then you have a machlokes. If the norm is to write a ksuba, that's where you have the machlokes. Because what happens? She comes to court. She says, look, I lost my ksuba. I want to collect. So now that, now... Can the husband say, you know, I'm happy to pay, but show the ksuba. I'm not setting myself up to the danger of you in 10 years down the line finding your ksuba and claiming again. Can he claim that? Or based him saying, no, pay her, we'll write a receipt. And therefore, if in uh, 10 years she finds her ksuba and tries to claim again, you'll have the receipt. But again, you've twisted the onus of responsibility onto him. Um, we said that if she passes one of the signs that the Bryson mentioned that it was a that, she's a, that it was a wedding of a basula, is they passed before this cup of good news, this cup of tidings. So it's my cause, shel basura, what is it? So Amarav, Adabar Ava, Koysia, and shel Truma, Mavri, Lofanel, Kalaime, Ruuya, Hoysuzu, Lecho, Betruma. They pass a, tr- a cup of Truma wine before her, symbolizing that she's a basula, she's uh, chaste, and she's fit to marry into the Kuhuna. Just like she could eat truma, she could marry a kohen and eat truma. She's a basula. You're telling me there's not a case of a widow who could eat truma. Widows can eat truma. If you have a basishal who's a widow and she marries a kohen, she can eat truma. So because they pass a cup of truma before her and say, oh, she could eat truma, it's no proof that she's a basula. So, so what is this cup that's proof? No, the symbolism is this is it's her first, like truma is called the first of our grand. The Pasuk refers to Truma as Rashi's. Tanya Rabbi Yehuda, Aymer Rabbi Yehuda says, Chavish shel yayin ma'virin lefonel. Rabbi Yehuda said they had a practice of passing a, a barrel of wine before her. So, Amar Avada Barava, Basula ma'virin lefonel, Stuma, Baula ma'virin lefonel, Psucha. He says, no. The, they would always pass a barrel of wine, but for a Basula they would pass a sealed barrel of wine, and by a Baula they would pass an open barrel of wine. He says, Ah, amai navid kamai basula vakame baula loy navid klal. Why have this practice? Just have the practice of passing a barrel of wine before a basula. Again, he said you need the double factor. You need to have this barrel of wine that they pass when it's sealed before a basula, and the barrel of wine that they have open that they pass before a baula. Why not just have the practice? Ignore the practice by a baula. And just have the practice of the basula passing the wine. It says no. Zimdin the tops of Mosayim for Amra Ana basula Havai v'Hadelo Avru Kamai Istonasu the Itsenisu. He says no because then she could say she could collect two hundred by saying I was a basula. So he says I'll oh, bring proof that they passed this barrel before you. She said everyone was too drunk by the time they got to that stage of the wedding and they forgot to. So therefore, you need, if you have the double symbolism, therefore a woman can never say that they didn't pass the barrel before me because every wedding does have a barrel passed. It's either an open one or a closed one, so you would have proof. Okay, and we'll leave it there for today. Have a very good Shabbos.